prayer as we look at the Word of God. Um, God always wants to speak to our hearts, doesn't he? So, Elohi Avraham, Elohi Yitzhak, Elohi Yaakov, Hashem Yeshua, Mishikainu, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we come to you, Lord, eager and desirous to hear from you and your word, for you to speak to our hearts and change our lives. And we ask you to do it, Lord. We surrender to your will and way in Yeshua's mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Repeat this after me, Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word today in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, just hearing about Rosalind's story, and um, uh, of course, Sheila lost her beloved Hillary just, uh, uh, you know, 10 days ago, two weeks ago. Um, you know, there's so much that happens in this life toward us, you know, that um, could be defined as unpleasant, to say the least. And what do we do? Where do we go? Who do we turn to? And we have um, the source of life that we have been granted access to in, in God, that we can run to God. We can go to God. We can worship God, and his presence could pour over us and help us and speak to us and comfort us in our times of need. I'm sure there's everyone in this room has a need in some way, shape, or form. And God desires to meet our need. And primarily, he meets our need with his very presence, the presence of the living God who steps into our situations and brings comfort where only he can. How do you get comfort when you lose a loved one, when you lose a spouse? How do you get comfort when a house burns down, you narrowly escape and you lose everything? How, do you, how, how can you possibly get comfort? We get it in the presence of God. That God knows how to comfort the human heart like nobody else. And so, um, this will be the final message in the series that we've been speaking about, is God seeking you? And our text for this series has been from Yochanan chapter 4, and it says this, but an hour is coming and is here now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people as his worshipers. God's seeking certain type of people to be worshipers of him. He's looking for worshipers. He's looking for people whose hearts are fully committed to him. It says God is spirit and those who worship him must, say must, must worship in spirit and in truth. And when we worship in spirit and truth, and when we find solace in the presence and the power of Almighty God, we're talking about the God of the universe, the God that spoke everything into being, who created us. When he steps into our tragedy, into our difficulty, into our hurt, into our pain, our situation may not change immediately, but God removes the sting and the pain of that by coming and being with us. 
I don't even know how to explain it, but I know I've experienced it time and time again. That when you're going through those times that are difficult, God comes into us as we worship him. His very presence, his manifest presence fills the room. Remember we talked about that manifest presence. We know God is everywhere. But when God makes himself known to us as we worship him, he is more alive, more real to us than ever before. And it does something to us. It changes us to be in the presence of God, just like it changed Moshe, right? He wasn't the same. He looked different every time he encountered God. And so you and I are changed from one degree of glory to another as we encounter the living God. Last week, Rabbi Carroll spoke on worship. Because remember, we talked about thanksgiving. We talked about praise. We talked about worship last week. And she said that worship is honoring God surrendering our will and our way to God, seeking God, which leads to intimacy with God, to a close relationship with God. Panim el panim, a face-to-face relationship with the living God. Worship happens once we have entered into the presence of God and now we behold him. It is the equivalent of having a moment with God when we are worshiping and we know he is present. The atmosphere is different. We sang that today. The atmosphere is changing. I don't know about you, but I can only speak about me because my experience is not your experience. Your experience is not mine. But I can tell you this, that when I begin to worship the Lord, whether it be here today or in my bedroom at home, there's something interesting with me. I don't do well just putting on a tape and worshiping to it. I do that from time to time. But there is something about it, and I was even having this discussion with God. When I pick up my guitar and touch the strings, I could feel his presence come. It says in the Psalms, the music of strings makes him glad. All I know is that when I touch the strings, I could feel God come in my room. It's it's cool. That you feel the atmosphere immediately change, that God is here in our midst, in my midst. It's a real thing. It's not made up. I know the difference. I'm not cuckoo. <laughs> it's the presence of the living God. It's the same things the patriarchs experienced, the presence of the Almighty. It's wonderful. His atmosphere changes everything when he invades our space. In a word, worship is intimacy and nearness to God. And here's my question to you. He's looking for people who are worshipers, who worship in spirit and truth, who are doing this on a daily basis, who are worshiping God. He wants that to be you and me. Amen? It's our choice whether we are or not. God's not pushing anyone away. Know that. God pushes no one away. It's funny about God. Even when we have issues, which maybe we have one or two in the room, that God is still looking for us to draw near. Not pushing us away. Wanting us to come into his presence. Isn't that something? God is seeking worshipers because God wants to be near us. He likes us. 
draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Show that picture that I have next. Could you show it? Look at, look at this wonderful picture of worship. Okay, show me that. Look at that, huh? Isn't that awesome? Right? Wouldn't you love to be there? It's, what a beautiful picture of worship, except it's not. That's, not. that's not a picture of worship. That is actually a picture of a crowd of people celebrating and partying with their hands in the air to a famous DJ. But to my eyes, doesn't that look like... You want to know why? Because everybody is worshiping someone or something because we were created to worship. The ancients worshiped either the true God or idols, right? They were worshiping poles or the living God. Today, people are worshiping something. Look at those folks. That looks like that could be a contemporary worship service somewhere. But it's not. Because everybody is worshiping somebody. The scriptures say they have exchanged the truth of God for falsehood by worshiping and serving created things rather than the creator who is to be ever praised. Amen. One writer said, praise God until the spirit of worship descends and worship until his glory manifests. God is looking and seeking worshipers. Could you imagine how embarrassing is that? That folks could do that, go crazy over a man and music, and yet we could be so reserved over the living God. So excited to be in the presence of a man who goes, wookie, 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 wookie. You know? I don't know. I don't know what to say to that, except it happens. Yet we're so reserved with God, we can't seem to get the juices going, you know? I want to encourage you. God is seeking worshipers. Carved out a nation, our nation of Israel, to be a kingdom of priests, to worship God, and to lead the nations into worship. We should be leaders in worship. I'm going to give you six points because why? You could say, why worship? Because when we worship, everything changes. I want to tell you this, and I want to suggest to you that the breakthrough, perhaps, that you have been waiting for and wanting and longing for hasn't occurred because we haven't worshipped. I'm not to say that you never worship or you don't have moments of worship, but God is looking for worshipers, that they are worshipers. So that means wherever you go, whatever you're doing, you're worshiping God. Because the more we worship, the more nearness to God, the more access to God, 
The more of God in our lives, the more things change. Some of us, this is what we do. Our society is built like this. It's not your fault. But you could change it. Our atmosphere, our, our, our society just tells us, sprinkle God in once a week. Sprinkle him in a couple of times a day like salt, you know, and move on. And we buy into that. We do that. And yet we, we find ourselves needing more in our lives. What do we need more of? We need more of God. And God does something in worship. And the first thing he does is God reveals himself in worship. So many people, listen, don't take this the wrong way because I don't know about you. I'm only, I can only speak to what I see. I'm not speaking to you per se. But there's so many believers who don't know God. And how do I know that? Because they come to me and they, you know, things are going on in their life and they think God perhaps is the author of that tragedy. God is not the author of tragedy. God can't give you what he doesn't have. The God does not give tragedy. Hasatan brings tragedy and destruction. God reveals himself in worship. When we worship God in spirit and in truth, God will manifest his presence, which is God revealing his nearness to us. And like I said before, there is truly nothing more comforting and peaceful when the manifest presence of God comes. How often do you experience that? One writer said, Worshiping in spirit and in truth takes place when we are no longer aware of ourselves, but only God. Too often in worship, we are worried about our day, our concerns. Well, I have... I have so many concerns going on in my life or I'm worried about what people think of me or if it's in a corporate time, we're worried about, well, I can't get too loud. They might think I'm one of those. And we're so interested that we don't focus on the living God who is here. How do I know? You brought him and so did I. He's here. It says in Yeshiahu 6, and one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth, say the whole earth, is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. God came. One writer said this, when God was worshipped, he revealed his glory. This is what he says. Today, many people arrive late to service, missing the time of praise and worship. They attend only to hear the message. Many considering themselves to be so spiritual that they don't need to worship. And here's this question. How will God speak to them if they don't worship first? Worship loosens the seals of revelation. When worship does not reach God's throne, revelation cannot take place. Also, when the amount of worship is lacking, the prophetic will be limited in the revelation they receive. And as a result, creative miracles will not take place. 
One reason the Bible compares the word of God to a hammer is that in some places the atmosphere is so hard to break through that it must be hammered away. But this occurs only when there is insufficient or ineffective worship. In other words, worship, when we worship God and we break through that his presence comes, everything changes. So often, we just do a little sprinkling of worship to God where we never break through to his presence. What I'm saying, folks, it behooves you and me to worship God until he reveals himself to our hearts. He wants to meet with you every single day. Do you worship until you break through and he reveals himself to you? Matthew Jahu 18 says, when two or three together are gathered in my name, I am there. He's there. He's here right now, but it's perceiving him. And when you worship him in spirit and in truth, you start to perceive and receive revelation of him. And he speaks to you. And, And that's why you could see in a room like this, you could have people prostrate on the floor And if you're not meeting with God that particular day, you're going to say, oh, that one. Nudging. See that one? (laughs) Because this is very possible. One is receiving and has entered into the manifest presence of God, touched the heart of God. They're having an intimate time with God. And their worship is reflecting that. And perhaps the person next to him is not. And they're like, I don't see what the big deal is. Do you hear me? God wants us to experience him. Who benefits out of that exchange? God or us? Who gets the better of the deal? We do. And God wants to get something to you. He wants to reveal himself to you. Show himself to you. God speaks in worship. In Acts 13, 2, it says, One time when they were worshiping, say worshiping. They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Ruach HaKodesh said to them, Set aside for me Barnabas and Shaul for the work to which I've called them. Shaul and Barnabas got their call to ministry as they were worshiping. God revealed himself to them and showed them something that he wanted them to do. It was in the midst of worshiping God. God shows us things and speaks to us as we worship him in spirit and in truth. One writer said, our worship, listen, will always be linked to the revelation we have of God. We cannot praise or worship someone we don't know. We can worship only what we know. The more intimate our knowledge of God, the more details we will have to acknowledge him and his worth. For this reason, some believers are incapable of praising and worshiping God for long periods of time. They run out of words and stamina because they don't know whom they are worshiping. Some grow angry. And I've had this. I've seen this, folks. I've seen people get angry that the praise and worship is going on and on. Yeah. Let me sing that again. They get angry. And that's because... They're not meeting with God. 
and I get a revelation of God. But it doesn't have to be like that. They consider it to be a waste of time. If they truly knew Yeshua, they would be able to fix their eyes on him during worship and forget time. Our worship will always be linked to our revelation of God. Do you think in heaven anyone's going to have a problem to worship God? Friend, there ain't going to be much to do in heaven. And we're going to be enthralled with him. Why? Because we're going to behold him, right? So that revelation, if we behold him today, you'll worship him now. Worship is exactly that, getting to the place. And it, listen to me, it takes effort. If we, Remember we did the, the seven words, right? Translated praise, the seven Hebrew words. Those are things that we do that get us into a place of worship. If we can refuse to do them, oh, I ain't going to sing. I'm not going to lift my hands. I'm not going to kneel. I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to just wait here as the music goes on. And sometimes we think that just our coming into a service means something is going to happen. That's not true. Only when we participate will something happen. For instance, that's why I'm not a big fan. I know a lot of folks do it. They put on worship music in their house, and they just play it. And they think that that worship music playing in their house is somehow doing something other than providing music. I disagree with that. It's only effective if our heart engages in worship with that music. God responds to our worship. You hear me? And so, yes, you should worship in your house, but you have to just not play it and wash the dishes. If you engage in worship, guess what? The living God will come into your house and the atmosphere will change. And problems you had before will begin to dissipate as you worship God in your house. Let me ask you this. I'm not, it's rhetorical. Do you worship God as a family? Fathers, men, have you trained your children how to worship God? that they know how to get into the presence of God, that they know the manifest presence of God, that they could say, God was in that place. Surely the Lord is here. You see that song we're saying? It's right from the Torah. Right? Yaakov said, surely the Lord is here in this place. Do you train your kids to know the presence of God? Second thing worship does is worship changes the spiritual atmosphere. How is the spiritual atmosphere in your home or workplace? If it's good, worship will change it. True worship from your heart. Look at this in in 2 Chronicles 5. It says, when the Kohanim came out of the holy place for the Kohanim, all the Kohanim who were present had consecrated themselves, they didn't keep to their divisions. Also, the Leviim, who were the singers, say singers, they were singing unto the Lord. All of them, Asaph, Hemon, Yedutan, and their sons and relatives, dressed in fine linen with cymbals, say cymbals, lutes, lyres, and they're making noise, they're worshiping God, kind of like we were doing today. They stood on the east side of the altar, and with them, 120 Kohanim sounding trumpets. They were sounding trumpets. Miles. 
Then when the trumpeters and singers were playing in, in, in accord to be heard harmoniously praising and thanking Adonai, they lifted their voices together with the trumpets, the cymbals, the instruments. Right? The praising God with instruments and cymbals. Friends, this ain't, this ain't a church that this is happening in. This is the holy temple. Right? It's the Jewish men, not Gentiles. And they're worshiping with music and cymbals and trumpets and praising. Wow. And they're saying, praise Adonai for he is good for his grace continues forever. Then the house, the house of Adonai was filled with a cloud. So that because of the cloud, the Kohanim could not stand up to perform their service. For the glory of Adonai filled the house of God. How's that for a change of atmosphere? Can I tell you, there's been places, and even here, where people have seen a cloud appear in worship. The Shekhinah, the glory of God. Is that unusual to you? It's not unusual to God. God loves to join the to his children. Worship brings the atmosphere of heaven to earth. That's what it does. That's why it's important to do it in your home. It brings the atmosphere of heaven to earth. But this happens when true worshipers actually and genuinely worship. And don't just go through the motions. Friend, we've all been guilty of just going through the motions, if we're honest. There's just some days where there's a disconnect, right? But when you're a true worshiper, those days will be few and far between. And you'll get there before God and you'll say, God, I'm going to worship you because you're worthy. And you forget about your problems and you forget about the sorest of the week. And you say, bless the Lord, whose mercy endures forever. Bless the Lord, whose goodness abides forever. You know, it could be two words. It could be one word you could say, Yeshua, 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 worthy is your name, worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Worthy. Worthy is your name. So worthy. Messiah, you're worthy. Messiah, you're worthy. Messiah, you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy of my praise. You're worthy of my praise. It's more than just singing. It's about connecting our hearts to God. The duration of praise and worship depends on the place. If the atmosphere is hard to pierce, it might take longer to build a throne of worship to God. So Shaul would find relief and feel better. It says, it came to pass, whenever the Spirit of God came upon Shaul, David would take a harp. Remember? Shu was being tormented. And David would begin to play his harp. You're right, the sweet psalmist of Israel who, who wrote so many of the psalms, right, would start to worship on his harp. And what happened? He would feel better. Atmosphere change. Because David truly, out of his heart, was worshiping God. Atmosphere change. 
How many people need an atmosphere change in your home? I think we all do, right? My atmosphere. And the more you worship in your home, the easier it is to do that. Like I told you, I'm, I just, I've been talking to the Lord. It's funny. Take my guitar, hit a chord. As soon as my fingers hit the string, I feel, here he comes. Did that just happen? It gets me every time. So cool. God doesn't want to be far away. He wants to be near. Know what that does for me? Everything. How do you get through these days? How do you get through life? Presence of God comes. Doesn't change. Your life may not change one single bit. The problem you had before you walked in your room and closed the door could be waiting for you the second you leave. But God's presence, atmosphere changes everything. Changes me. I know God's with me. It's awesome. Third thing it does, God's power, say his power, is manifest in worship. That's why, friends, I think we need to step up our game in worship here. I really do. I think, listen, this is how, I think, in a strange way, (laughs) I think like this, my mindset, when I come to, when I'm coming to worship, because it's, there's a little bit of effort involved in worship. I, I got to do something, correct? When I come to worship, this is my thought to God. God, I'm going to leave it all on the, on the field today, so to speak. I'm going to give you everything I got. Because we say, don't we say it in the, in the every week? To love the Lord your God with how much? All. All, all my heart, my mind. My soul. So they talk about worship being soulful. We should have the most soulful worship going, right? Because we're to love God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. Correct? So if I'm going to do that, I say to God, I'm going to give you everything today of everything I am. I'm going to sing to you. I'm going to worship you. Yeah, and you know what? Even if I look like a fool, God, that's okay. Because I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to give you everything I got. If we came with that, you wouldn't be so concerned what people thought about you because you're going to give God everything. Yeah, David was dancing and twirling and leaping. Some people dug what he was doing, some didn't. But he did it anyway. God's power comes when we worship like that. His power to set the captive free. His power to do all sorts of things. To activate God's supernatural power, we must be able to respond to the atmosphere generated by prayer, praise, and worship. To do this, we need to expect, hear this, this is someone wrote this, we need to expect something supernatural to happen. If we expect nothing, we will be unable to respond when there is a manifestation of God's power to create miracles. God is extending his hand to give us the supernatural, but we have to extend our hands to receive it. What do you expect when you come into the presence of God or when you worship God? Do you expect something from God? Do you expect something supernatural to take place? It could be 
lots of super, his presence. It could be a supernatural, just peace in your heart. That's supernatural, right? A, a peace that transcends understanding. Man, I should be freaked out right now, but I have peace. That's supernatural. That's a natural peace. That's supernatural peace. There is power in worshiping God. If we want to see breakthroughs in our life and in the lives of others, then this is the time to enter into a deeper level of worship, both personally and corporately. It is only as we ascend to the throne room in worship that we can descend back into the harvest field on earth, praying and warring for victory in every area of life. When you and I come boldly to God's God's throne in worship, he gives us his plans and strategies for our lives. He gives us revelation. He empowers us to live for him. His power comes. There is no way that we can walk in his peace, power, and perfect plan without a lifestyle of worship. You hear that? A lifestyle of worship. What's your lifestyle like? Answer that to yourself. Do you live a lifestyle of worship? During a service with Amy Simple McPherson, she wrote this. And a conviction had not, because she was speaking to a group of unbelievers. She said, and conviction had not yet taken place of curiosity for the crowd, for those in attendance. Many, a great many of the onlookers were unbelievers and the balance were not used to any demonstration of God's power. So the air was filled with unbelief, skepticism, scoffing, and ridicule. The people would listen as long as we sang, but as soon as anyone endeavored to speak, the whisperings and the murmurings would begin until another song was started. You could see the scene. As I stood there on the platform with my eyes closed, I saw the entire tent surrounded by great black demons with huge bat-like wings. Each demon seemed to stand about 10 foot tall, and as they stood in a circle, completely surrounding the tent, they were so close together that their wings touched tip to tip. With my eyes closed, I began to cry out silently to the Lord, O Lord, what shall I do? He replied, Just begin to praise me. I will do the fighting. You do the praising, so I began to praise him. Praise the Lord. The first time I said it, I noticed that the demons seemed to tremble. Praise the Lord. The second time I shouted, I'm sure my voice was heard above every other sound, and I saw each demon take one step backward away from the tent. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And each time I said, praise the Lord, the demons took a step backward until I lost sight of them in the distance. Praise the Lord. The next time I said... I said it, I saw in the distance a circular band of angels surrounding the tent. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Each time I praised him, they took one step nearer, another step nearer, still another step nearer, till at last they stood at the very border of the tent. Such tall, wonderful-looking angels with their beautiful white wings spread so wide that the wings of each touched tip to tip. Father had sent one of his legions of angels to guard the tent. Perhaps not another person in the tent saw the vision of this great shining band of angels, yet everyone inside and out must have sensed the presence of the divine. 
For not only did a great peace steal over my soul, but the whole audience was hushed. When I opened my eyes, I could see only the people watching in raptured attention. The people who were murmuring and whispering before, who were so distracted, are now fixed because the atmosphere had changed. And she closes with this. Is it any wonder I believe that the power of praise drives back the enemy and brings down the blessing? There's power in our worship. It does something real. The fourth thing worship does is it, gets, it sets the captives free. This is going to be a quick one. It's found in Acts 16, right? You know the story. After giving them a severe beating, they threw them in prison, charging the jailer to guard them securely. Upon receiving such an order, he threw them into the inner cell and clamped their feet securely between heavy blocks of wood. Around midnight, Shaul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They weren't kvetching. They weren't saying, I am serving the Lord and look what's happened to me. God, why did you do this to me? I'm your servant dedicated to your, to, to, to your kingdom. And look, here I am in misery in this lower, 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 wet, damp, dank cell. No, they said, Baruch Hashem, Adonai, we praise you because your love endures forever. And God heard their praises. And what did he do? He set not just them free, all the cells were set free. God came and set the prisoners free. Know what the result of that was? You know the story. He went to the jailer's house. The whole, the jailer came to faith, his whole family. They got immersed in in water. (laughs) Because God set the prisoner free as they worshiped him. God wants to bring freedom into your life. If you are bound in any way, think to yourself, are you bound in any way in your thoughts, your emotions, in your body? Worship can bring you freedom. But what kind of worship? Spirit and truth. Were you really touching the heart of God? Were you not distracted thinking about the things you're going to do later, the bills you got to pay, the work you got to do, the kids you got to shuffle off? But when you're thinking about Yeshua and you're worshiping Yeshua, and you're blessing the name of Yeshua, and his presence manifests in your life, good things start to happen in the manifest presence of God. How often are you in the manifest presence of God? That's my question to you. Fifth thing worship does, it defeats the enemy. Defeats, it defeats. Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whose land you did not allow Israel to invade when they came from the land of Egypt. Instead, they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. Now behold, how they repay us by coming to drive us out of your possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we have no power to face this great multitude that is attacking us. You ever feel like that? God, I have no power against this thing that's happening to me. 
God, we have no power to face this great multitude that's attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Verse 20, early in the morning they arose and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. As they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in Adonai your God and you will be confirmed. Trust in his prophets and you will succeed. After consulting the people, he appointed singers, say singers, to Adonai, praising the splendor of his holiness. That's all they did. That's all they did is sing and praise God. And they went out before the army saying, praise Adonai for his mercy endures forever. Then during the time when they were singing and praising, not when they were fighting, when they were singing and praising, Then Adonai brought a surprise attack against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come to fight Yehuda, And they were defeated. Say they were defeated. They were defeated for the Ammonites, the Moabites, rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to exterminate and annihilate them. When they had exterminated the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Is that crazy? When Yehuda came to the lookout in the wilderness and looked for the multitude. Behold, only corpses were lying on the ground. No one, say no one, had escaped. Is that, what? Are you kidding me? God will defeat your enemies. God will bring you victory. But he doesn't want you to fight, right? We don't, it's not a physical fight. This is what he said, worship me. Praise me, sing me, declare to me who I am, my goodness and greatness. I'll do it for you. I'll bring you victory comes in worship. That's all he did, friends. That's all he did was sing and praise God. And God did a pretty good job of taking care of the enemies, didn't he? Not one was left. Not one. Friends, sometimes we are so busy trying to get ourselves out of the messes that we're in. That we fail to do the most important thing, and that's to worship God. And if we would only worship God in the midst of our sores, our trouble, our attacks, our, our difficulties, God would do a supernatural miracle in our lives. God's waiting for you to worship him. I know you got trouble. I know you got struggle. I know you got stuff going on. I know you do, because I do. What are you going to do, though, about it? You going to convert and complain? Are you going to just, oh, why me? I'm sick. I'm this. I'm that. Or are you going to say, God, you're awesome and mighty and worthy. And God, I praise you with all my heart. God, I love you. I worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, because you're worthy. Oh, God, you're worthy. Worthy, O oh God, you're worthy, O oh God. Worthy, O oh God. You see, it's not just about playing worship music in our cars and in our homes. It is about worshiping God by a heart connected to him through love. When we do this, God comes and routes the enemy on behalf so think of this. Are you facing any spiritual battles that are overwhelming you? Any? Then worship God. That's my advice to you. Worship God. 
Are you facing any trouble that has you overwhelmed? Worship God. Worship God. Then the last thing we have is worship brings signs, wonders, and miracles. When true worship takes place, God shows up, and when God shows up, supernatural things take place. I'm going to venture to say there's people in this room that don't even believe that God is supernatural today. Oh, we believe it intellectually that God can if he wanted to. We don't believe it in our heart that God wants to do supernatural things today in your life, in your family, in your situation. When God shows up, he does supernatural things. That's why the key to worship is true, genuine worship, because God will come and perform signs, wonders, and miracles in people's lives who have decided to worship him even though life is difficult. When God sees this, he responds, and he brings relief to his people. That's why so many do not experience breakthrough. Because if you miss the opportunity to truly worship God, if you miss the opportunity to worship God, breakthrough doesn't come. It doesn't say, you know, faith comes by hearing the word. It does. But breakthrough and miracles and signs and wonders come in the presence of the Almighty. In his presence. How are you at that? at the presence of God. Friend, God wants to get it to us. He does. But he's not going to force, force it on us. Are you a worshiper? Only you can answer that. I don't know if you are. But all we know is that we need to be worshipers and worship God in spirit and in truth. I'm going to tell you a story in closing. Yellowstone National Park, right, is a geological hotbed with hundreds of geysers and hot springs. One of our, this is someone telling the story, one of our first stops in the scenic wilderness was the geyser known affectionately as Old Faithful. Old Faithful is the most visited of all the geysers for a simple reason. Do you know why? It's faithful. Every 88 minutes, it goes off. It's faithful. You know that if you're there in 88 minutes or sometime in that time period, you're going to see something wonderful, right? Okay. On one day, we went to Yellowstone. We arrived with about 78 minutes to spare. The National Park Service has built a boardwalk that encircles the old geyser with benches around one side, and you could stand on the other side, when the geyser erupts, and if you stand there, you're going to get a shower. The historic hotels and quaint shops fan out from the geyser. No doubt about it, Old Faithful is the center of attention. As the time for the eruption got closer, more and more curious tourists joined our family setting, sitting on the benches or on the boardwalk. Latecomers stood behind. Many had their cameras, videos, and still, and they trained like weapons on the famous hole for the ground. They were like <coughs> focused on that little geyser or big geyser. 
From the steam rising from the opening in the earth, first there was a sputtering of water. There she goes, exclaimed one observer who thought that he was in the know, but the sputtering ceased and I refrained from any more, and refrained from any more comments. A moment later came the sputtering again, turning into a fountain of hot water streaming toward the heavens a hundred feet high. Everyone looked up, jaws dropping, eyes popping. The sense of wonder filled everyone encircling Old Faithful as the geyser sent cascading water up in the air and it showered on everyone around. The crowd was spellbound, awe-filled as the dancing water performed its magic for a minute and then quietly returned to the earth. Its water supply depleted, but in another 88 minutes the subterranean plumbing would be filled again, ready to burst forth toward the sky, and other onlookers would witness this wonderful event and its majesty. I noticed something that day. Onlookers displayed a sense of awe, a worship-like quality. They had witnessed something powerful, something beyond themselves, something they couldn't control. One dad said to his kids, did you see that? Amazing, wasn't it? A little boy replied to his sister, I can't wait to tell John when we get back home. Another shouted, hey, Grandpa, did you see that? Still another said, can we watch it again? With a sense of reverence, people returned to their cars or the gift shop knowing they had witnessed something spectacular. The same dynamic occurs when we come to worship God. Or must I say, should happen. We ought to witness the spectacular hand of God. We're supposed to witness something beyond ourselves. We ought to be in awe, spellbound, mesmerized by the life-giving, life-flowing power of God. We should be motivated to tell others about what we have experienced. Now think about this. That family waited 78 minutes for a geyser. We can't spend 40 minutes in worship. It took 70 minutes, 88 if you were there at the beginning, until you would see that power unleashed from the earth and experience it just for a split second. A minute, it's gone. Yet we won't invest that time into worshiping God until God's power comes and transforms our life, transforms our situation, comes and does something wonderful and spectacular. I don't know, maybe because we don't expect anything wonderful or spectacular to happen. I can't answer that, only you can. But wouldn't you want to? Don't you want to see God do something wonderful and spectacular? Everything we read today was supernatural and it happened in the midst of worship. From David to Jehoshaphat to Rav Shaul, it all happened. Those were real things. It wasn't make-believe. That happened. God's power came where they were. But it came because they were worshiping him. 
in spirit and in truth. It came because they touched God's heart. And God said, I want to be with those people. And just like the geyser that shot up, oh my goodness. These people were in the same thing. In awe of God, look at God. Look what God did. There were three nations coming against us and there's not one man left standing. Oh my gosh, look what God did. They saw the God's power and presence because they were worshipers of God. What Old Faithful does for the tourist in Yellowstone, our worship of God should do for those who worship God in the congregation. David wrote this, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. They will see what? What are they going to see? Because supernatural things happen when God is worshipped. I think we need to ask ourselves a question. I'm including myself. I need to ask myself this question. Are we worshipping God in spirit and in truth? Are we leaving it all on the field? Are we going after God with everything within us in our times of worship? Look at, look at me. I'm not saying it to, to point the finger at you and saying you're not doing something. No. I'm saying this. If we do worship him with all our heart, awesome things are going to happen in our lives. I want awesome things to happen in your life. The freedom you want, the delivery, you, the deliverance you want, the miracle you need, the provision that has to take place. But it comes in his presence. You don't just put on a tape and here comes the presence. Your heart's got to be engaged. Say my heart has to be engaged and enthralled with God. Worship is more than just music and singing. Yet when it's done in spirit and in truth, the living God comes. And when God comes and invades our space, anything, I know what you're thinking. Rabbi Mike, I need things to happen in my life that are impossible. Guess what? Anything is possible when God's in the room. God could be in your bedroom, in your living room, today as you go home and worship him. But you know what we often do? We go home and we put on the TV. Yet the very living God could be in our homes. Food for thought, isn't it? Where we need to say, God, I want to be a worshiper. Not just once a week or twice a week, or even once a day. So I have my devotions every day, someone might say. But I want to be a worshiper in a lifestyle of worship. And I want to see your power manifest regularly in my life. I wonder what kind of life you would be living then if that happened. What kind of wonderful things and testimonies you would have to share about God doing things on your behalf. I want to tell you this. There's nothing you're doing currently that's more important than that. There's nothing that that you're doing that's going to give you more joy, not work, not play. There's nothing that you're doing that's going to be more important than being in the presence of God. 
Nothing's going to change your life more. Nothing's going to change your marriage more. Nothing's going to change your situations more. Nothing's going to bring healing to your body more than encounter with God. So why don't we encounter God? Why don't we choose to say, I'm going to be one that lives a life that regularly encounters God through my worship? It's just a thought, something to consider, I think. I think something that will change our lives is if we do it. Don't leave here and be the same, please. Don't leave here and go back to the status quo. Go home and see things change in your life, in your family, in your personal walk with God. See things change. Be a worshiper. And you know what? The things that you think are so fun now that you do, you'll find you're exchanging it for God's presence, and you're going to be so jazzed with the presence of God because there is nothing like the presence of God. We were created to worship. And when we do it, that's the happiest we'll ever be. So that's my two shekels worth. Why don't we stand to our feet? God wants to do supernatural things, but he does it in the midst of worship. Let's be a congregation of worshipers. Amen? Let me bless you. Robert Carroll's going to go outside and greet you as you go. Prayer starts at 145, I'm told. So it will. Robert Carroll's going to greet you. Let me say the blessing over you. As you go and worship God in your heart and your homes, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance his presence upon you and give you peace. Father, I pray that you would bless your people as they go. Father, that, Lord, they would be, Lord, each of us, worshipers of you. And God, as we worship you in spirit and in truth, you would come in all sorts of ways in our life. Lord, that you would bring freedom and liberty and joy and life like never before. Father, we speak it over this body of believers in Yeshua's name. And everyone said... Amen. Baruch Hashem. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Shabbat Shalom.